0: well good morning it's so good to see you guys want to welcome everyone watching online especially our grayson campus so good to see you guys thanks for tuning in with us this morning uh real quick i'm really excited we just finished team night here this past week and i'll be at team night this weekend. grayson can't wait to come and hang out with you guys down there in carter county this week well it's good to be here in the house of the lord this morning you look good in fact looked at the person beside say you look good today tell them say you look good today you look good. How many of you like sweet tea? Come on, get your hand up. You like sweet tea. Where's my sweet tea people at? Yes, I love sweet tea. Unsweet teas from the devil. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus in this place, right? Man, I love me some sweet tea. In fact, I said love because I really don't drink it anymore I don't drink anything like sugary drinks that much and so maybe once uh, well I don't know maybe four times a year I may get me a Dr. Pepper can I get a witness I'm preaching now maybe about once or twice a year but but anyway I love sweet tea in fact I was born and raised on sweet tea like my mama put sweet tea in my bottle don't you judge her it was good you know what I'm saying? I, I'm from the South. I was born in North Carolina. So, man, we just drunk some sweet tea all the time. Well, right before we moved to Kentucky, I was about three to four years old. And I remember this. Actually, I remember parts of it. It's kind of crazy how you can remember things. But I do remember because we actually have a picture of it as well that, that's just in, that we had to remind us of this situation. You know, I love tea so much that I thought there's got to be something else you can do with tea besides drink it. And when I was a little boy, I'll never forget this, that I I took, my my sisters and I, I took a whole gallon of sweet tea, I believe it was raining outside that day, and we poured it all over the kitchen floor linoleum. And so we were going to make an indoor slip and slide out of sweet tea. Now, you don't get no better than that, sweet tea and a slip and slide, right? Come on. And, I, and we, we poured the whole gallon of sweet tea out. And Mom wasn't in the house. And, and I went into my room and I grabbed, I opened a drawer and I grabbed a pair of underwear and, and I'd set it to the side and I'd take my, my, my clothes off and I was in my underwear and I would run and I would slide across the kitchen floor. Well, after a while, the underwear gets soaking wet, so I we took them off, and I didn't know what to do with them, so I took my underwear, and I threw it behind my chest door and piled it up, put another pair on, and I run, and I do slipper and slide. And then I run. I did this over and over and over until I ran out of underwear. And then I realized you can go a lot faster with none on. And so I called my mom. I said, "Mom, remember this?" She said, "Honey, do I remember it? I've got pictures of it." And I can't show the pictures because I was standing there with uh, with nothing on, and I, we didn't want to, to show that this morning. But the thing is, I didn't think she'd find out. Have you ever tried to hide something like you didn't think, think you're going to get caught? Come on, now, am I preaching to somebody, right? And so I didn't know until she found all my underwear with sweet tea behind the chester drawer. And then, so she comes in and the picture that I had after that I couldn't find was after you know, um, that you you know get that kind of, you know, spanking. See, my mom didn't spank us. I never got a spanking. I got a whooping. You know what I'm saying, right? I got a whooping. No spanking in my house. It was a whooping, right? And there's a picture. I'm sitting there crying. Ah! Because I got caught, right? And we do this a lot, right? There's things that happen in our life that maybe we're embarrassed of. Maybe we're ashamed of. Maybe there's something happened. And we try to put it away. And we try to, put it away, or we try to hide it. In fact, that's what I've titled today's message, Stop Hiding It. In fact, look at the other person beside and say, stop hiding it. Tell them, say stop hiding it. What are you trying to hide? Stop hiding it. Especially the thing that happens in your life. What are you trying to hide? Some of you have a secret you're trying to hide. Some of you have a sin that you've done and you're trying to hide. A secret, a lie, something in your life. I'm encouraging you this morning, stop hiding it. Because what happens is, is you feel guilty and you still carry this guilt with you. And then all of a sudden you try to hide the guilt. You try to put the guilt away. I mean, let me just ask, you have to raise your hand. But have you ever tried to hide guilt? Like there's something happening in life and you try to hide it. Like I was trying to hide this from my mom like she would never find out, right? Like have you tried to hide something in your life? And here's what I figured out that we do when it comes to guilt In our life. In fact, this is kind of part two from last week. So if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to go back and watch it. It just kind of builds on that, something about your past. This is specifically things about your past. But when we have guilt, here's the first thing we try to do we try to bury it. We try to bury the guilt in our life. And we act like it's no big deal. But the problem with guilt is it keeps resurrecting itself. You ever notice that? Like it keeps coming back up. And if it's not too big of a deal, why does it still bother you 20 years later? Five months later, like it's still there. You think, I suppressed it, but then it's still there. And it weighs on you. So the first thing we try to do is we try to bury it. Then if that doesn't work, here's what we begin to do. We begin to blame other people. Like we blame others for our problems, for our guilt. We have this victim mentality. And listen, this goes all the way back in the garden. Have you ever paid attention to Genesis chapter 3, verse 12? There's something fascinating here. You know what happens, right? Adam and Eve, they sin against God and all this stuff. And Eve's like, take, take a bow of the fruit. And Adam takes a bow of the fruit. God comes and talks to him and says, hey, what's up, man? Like, what's going on? Why are you hiding? Well, wh- what's going on in life? And in Genesis chapter 3, it's, it's pretty fascinating because, um, because we see Adam begins to blame and not take responsibility. He's like, this woman... Like I liked her better when she had no fig leaves on. You know what I'm saying? Like this woman, like right here, watch this. That you gave me, brought it to me. See, a lot of times we think he's blaming Eve. He's not. He's blaming God. He says, God, this woman that you gave me, you gave me, she brought it to me. So this is your fault. And that's what we try to do when we have guilt or when we mess up in our life. We have this victim mentality and we say, well, if she didn't walk out on me, if they didn't do that to me, if I was going on places like this at home, if you wouldn't have said that to me and what happens is because the guilt keeps coming back up and we bury it and it comes back up, then we're like, well, maybe if I start blaming someone else, it's his fault, it's her fault, it's my parents' fault. And we begin to blame other people for what we're carrying around with us. But here's the reality, it doesn't work. And then lastly, what we begin to do is we begin to beat ourselves up. And we begin to walk around, "Well, the gifts aren't go away. This is just who I am. I'm gonna have to carry this with me for the rest of my life. I deserve to pay for my sin or whatever I've done. I deserve this. Therefore I will carry this guilty conscience with me for the rest of my life. And you beat yourself up, I'm no good. I'm ineffective, I'm damaged goods, I shouldn't have did that, shouldn't have slept with him, shouldn't have slept with her, shouldn't have tried that, shouldn't have cheated on that, whatever it may be, and all of a sudden you carry this with you like this is just my punishment, this is what I do, and I'll just have to carry this for the rest of my life, and you beat yourself up, you're no good, you're a loser, God doesn't love you, God won't forgive you, well partially maybe, but not fully, not completely, he likes you, but I don't know if he really loves you, and and there's no way that he's going to use you for his good and for the glory. Of his kingdom And you, here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with beating ourselves up. Your conscience never knows when to quit. And all of a sudden, now you've seen something happened five years, 10 years, 20, 35 years ago, and you' still later that night, and you still carry this guilty, conscious in your life. And at the end of the day, you're like, "Well, this is just God getting even with me for what I've done. Now I'm not going to ra- ask you to raise your hand, but you're glad you came today, because how do I fix that? Like, how do, I, how do I get past that? How do I deal with that in my life? Because a guilty conscience will make you sick. And a guilty conscience will make you depressed. And I want you to listen to what King David said. This is David that fought Goliath. And I know you don't maybe know much about the Bible. Potentially, maybe if you're just here visit with us, like, I don't know much about the Bible. I know you've heard of David and Goliath. Even from sports analogy and all that stuff, the underdog, all that This is King David, God's man after God's heart, says this in Psalms 38 verse 4. My guilt overwhelms me. Its burden is too heavy for me to bear. How did God's man after God's heart, the king of Israel, get to this point in his life where he pins the word. See, that's what I love about the Bible. We think all oh, these guys are great men and women, God, and great heroes. They were just like me and you. They struggled with the same thing. They had the same devil that lies to them, that lies to us. They had the same flesh that is sinful that we have. No different. And here it is, King David going, my guilt just overwhelms me. I can't even sleep at night. The burden is just too heavy to bear. How did David get to that point right there? Well, let me tell you the back story real quick about King David. King David, he's the youngest of his brothers. I think it was, yeah, he's the youngest of eight. He's the youngest of eight brothers that we know in in the scripture. And and God is displeased with the king Saul who's over Israel. And and God tells Samuel, it's time to go find another king. It broke Samuel's heart because Samuel really loved Saul. And Saul, and God led him to this guy's, this farmer house named Jesse. And Jesse, he said, one of Jesse's sons is going to be the next king. So Jesse says, okay, uh, uh, let me get my sons for you. And Samuel stands there, they line up all the sons, and the oldest son comes first, he sticks his chest out, like maybe surely he's the oldest son, maybe he's my boy, he's going to be king, and he's not... And then the second son, and then the third, and all seven sons pass them. And Samuel says, Do you sure you don't have another son? And they go, Well, we have the scrawny little one. You know, he's the youngest one that all the boys pick up all, all the time, and they don't let him play Fortnite or anything like that. And he's out there, you know, in the fields watching the sheep because that's what he does. He's working for a Pop here, and he's a farmer. And Samuel sits down and says, Okay, go get him. And all of a sudden, this scrawny little boy named David walks by, and the spirit falls upon him and Samuel anoints him as king but he didn't become king instantly he actually he ended up becoming a worship leader for Saul and he began to play the heart for him and then he became a mighty warrior if you remember because he killed Goliath in battle and he became this great general and this great warrior and then eventually he now has become king and this story is found in second Samuel chapter 11 and chapter 12 that's just for you to go home and read so you can follow along with the story what's happening The Bible says in chapter 11 that there's a war taking place, and this is a time where the kings went out to war. This is the first problem that happened in David's life. He began to neglect his duties. He should have been out fighting the war. He should have been out with all the the generals, but he stayed back because he thought, we got this, they don't need me. I'm the one that killed thousands upon thousands and 10,000 and Goliath and lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Like, this is King David. You don't want to mess with him. Like, he's the man. I'm serious. Like, UFC has nothing on this dude right here. I mean, he is the man. So he stays back, and he should have been out doing and fulfilling his duties. And the Bible tells us when kings go out, David stayed home. There's a reason for that. This just begins the downfall of David because he didn't fulfill his responsibility as king. And so he walks out on his balcony one evening, and the king's palace is above, you know, all the people who live in the valley. And he noticed there's a woman, she's bathing on top of a house. Now, back then, they would have these basins they put on top of the house. They would carry jugs of water. As the sun beat down on it all day long, it kind of warms the water some. So they took a bath at night if you were a lady. David knows that. He's the king. He walks out to the edge of his, his, his porch, and he looks over. Next thing you know, he sees Bathsheba taking a bath. It caught his attention. It caught her eye. I would probably suggest to you, I can't prove this, it's probably not his first time. He, he's watching this because he's the king. He gets to do what he wants to do. Finally says, I've watched this enough. Someone go find out who this woman is. They found out who she was. She's Bathsheba. She's, she's married to uh, uh, Uriah the Hittite who's out fighting the war that David should have been out fighting. And David said, go get her. David allows her to come into his chambers. He sleeps with, with her, with Bathsheba. And he sends her back home. Most likely probably against her will. See, we don't read that part about God's man after God's heart, now it's committed adultery. All of a sudden, she misses her period and she's kind of panicking a little bit here going, "Uh, could it possibly be that I'm pregnant? She finds out she's pregnant. She sends word back to King David. "Um, Listen, bro, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but now I'm pregnant. So David sends a letter to Joab, who's fighting the battle, who's leading his army. Send Uriah the Hittite back home to me. So Uriah comes home and says, King David, how's it going, man? He goes, give me a report. How's it going, man? Well, we're winning the battle, and there's, there's some fierce front line going on, but hey, man, I think we're going to pull this out. He says, good, I tell you what, you need to rest. Why don't you go home, be with your wife, be with your wife, because what he's trying to do is hopefully he'll go home and sleep with her, and he will think, hey, this is my baby, this is my boy, and I'm the father of this child. But all of a sudden, he would not go home, and he stayed in Jerusalem. So David finds out he doesn't, he doesn't go home. And he, said, he goes to him and says, why didn't you go home, man? Come on, your wife's at home with you. You need a rest. You've been fighting too hard, man. Go back home and be with your wife. He said, how can I go and be with my wife when my men are fighting intense tents on the front line where David should have been? And so David says, "What well, I'm going to do. He panics. So he throws a feast. He brings Uriah into his house and he gets him drunk. See, y'all's like, I don't know about the Bible. You should read it. It's crazy. I mean, oh my gosh, this is crazy stuff. This is God's man after God's heart. And he gets him drunk. And he finds out he still, after being drunk, will not go home and be with his wife. So David panics. And he sits down at his royal desk, in his royal chair, with his royal fountain pen. And he pens this letter. And he writes a letter to Joab. And he says, listen, I want you to put Uriah... On the front line, in the most fierce battle place in the war. And as soon as he's on the front line, I want you to back up your troops so that he would be killed in battle. Sign, King David. Folds it up, seals it with this ring, and then he walks to, watch how sick he is. He walks to Uriah, he says, take this letter to the general. He does not open the letter and he's taken his own death sentence in his hand with him. And he carries it all the way to the general. The general opens up and reads it. Are you you kidding me? What has he done? Uriah, you're over here. You're on the front line. You're in the most fierce battle place there is. Yes, sir, I will serve my country. I'll do whatever you call me to do. He gets on the front line. They call the troops back. Boom, he's out. And he dies. Bathsheba gets word... Her husband now been killed in battle, so what does David do? Quickly, go gets her and marries her, and allows her to become one of his wives. God's man, after God's heart. Could you imagine? Psalms 38. Can we put it back up one more time? My guilt overwhelms me. My burden is too heavy to bear. I have now committed adultery. I have basically murdered a man and destroyed his family. My guilt overwhelms me and my burden is too heavy to bear. Well, a year passes and David's been going through this. The child has been born and all of a sudden the prophet Nathan comes up To King David, hey, King David, do you mind have a word for you? And he says, sure, sure, come here, come here, come here, come here. Prophet, yeah, prophet, God's man, come here, talk to me. I got a story for you. He goes, yeah, I love stories, tell me stories. Actually, it's a parable, I love parables, tell me a parable. There's this very rich, wealthy man who had all the livestock you can imagine. This is in 2 Samuel chapter 12. All the livestock you can imagine, sheep and goats and herds and lambs and everything you can imagine, very wealthy man. But then there was this very poor man. He only had one scrawny little baby lamb. And that little baby lamb became the family pet. It eat with them at the table. It went outside and played with the kids. The kids named it because it became a family pet. It's the only little lamb that they had. And all of a sudden a special guest, a guest came to the rich man's house and the rich man gave an order. Instead of going out to my field and killing my sheep and my lamb, I want you to go and I want you to take the only lamb from this poor little family, take it from the poor man, slaughter it, and cook it so we can have a great feast for my guest. And he said, what do you think about that, David? David was furious. He said that rich man should die for what he's done. And the prophet Nathan said, that man is you this is what you've done and you've done this in God's sight and he knows the guilt that you carry he knows the things that's going on in your life this man is you and it broke him completely broke him. all the guilt all the shame everything that he's been carrying for the last year trying to bury it trying to hide it trying to suppress it all now comes To the surface, and in Psalms chapter fifty-one, David pins the moment after being confronted with Nathan about this situation, about the adultery, about having his her her husband killed, and he writes this. I want you to hear his heart in Psalms fifty-one, verse one. Have mercy on me, O oh God, because of why? Because of your unconditional, unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out my stain of my sins. Ever been there before? Like, forgive my sins, but forgive me of the stain. Blot the stain out. Like, I don't remember that anymore. Like, blot the stains of my sins, plural, out. Verse 2, wash me clean from my guilt, Don't raise your hand. You're tired of carrying your guilt around. You're tired of beating yourself up. Feeling like this is what I deserve because I did blank. Because I struggled with blank. Because I looked at blank. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion and it haunts me day and night. I've not and forgot what I've done. I know the adultery was wrong. I know the murder basically. I know that was wrong. And it's never ever left my conscience. Verse four, against you and you alone have I sinned. I want some of you to read that really closely. The sin that you feel guilty of, that you still carry, and it's usually just that sin, right? The one that haunts you, like that sin. The one that really struggles with, Now I'm gonna be really honest with you, the majority of guilt that comes with sin, the majority of it, a sexual sin from your past. And no one knows. You don't want to talk about it. Definitely don't want to mention it to your spouse. You don't want to bring the stuff up. It's in the past. But it's still there. Because there's something about sexual sin that's sticky. And it sticks. And you feel guilty. And you struggled. But you don't want nobody to know about it. You try to bury it. But then you still comes back up. But then you try to blame them, it's their fault, and if they would have, and you realize that don't work, so now you beat yourself up, I just deserve this because of my sin. So I got to punish myself for what I've done, and this is just my new normal, what I have to carry out, but look here in verse 4, against you, God, and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. And then in verse 14, he says, forgive me. And he confesses his sin. I want you to notice the pattern here. First, he admitted it. I've sinned. You've probably done that. But listen, he accepts responsibility. He's no longer a victim anymore. I accept my responsibility for I have sinned. And he asked for forgiveness. I love what 1 John 1, 9 says. It says, but if we confess our sins to him, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all. Everybody say all. All. Big sin, little sin, secret sin, gross sin, tiny sin, all. All sin and all wickedness and all unrighteousness. And I can hear what you're saying right now. But pastor, I did that and it's still there. How do I know that? Because it was for me. I confessed, I asked forgiveness. Why do I still feel guilty? Why do I still feel condemned? Why do I still feel gross? Why do I still feel dirty? Why do I still feel condemnation? Listen, I've been there. I'm not preaching at you. I've been there and I've struggled for years, even as a pastor carrying the guilt and the shame with me. How, How do you fix that? Like, how do you get past that? And that's what I want so desperately for you. And for everyone watching online and in grace to say, I've, I've confessed. I've prayed. It's still there. I still feel guilty. I still feel dirt. I still feel condemned. Well, let's walk through that. Because here's how it works. You sin. You're convicted. You confess it. You're forgiven. And then we missed this piece. The enemy comes and lies to you and says, are you sure God's forgiven you? Well, I think so. But look what you did. Yeah, but he said he forgives me of everything. I don't know about that one. And then all of a sudden we begin to believe this lie from the enemy that maybe, just maybe, God has not forgiven me and now that lie becomes a thought that becomes a stronghold that now we carry with us 5, 10, 15, 30 years later going, why do I still feel condemned as something I confessed a long time ago? And here's what happened. We have this stronghold. And what happens when we have a stronghold? We try to bury it. We try to blame people. Well, my parents just told me and raised me, right? It's their fault. It's his fault. It's her fault, right? And then all of a sudden we get to the point where this is just me. This is, this is why I have to face it. And I have to carry this with my, And here's what happens is push on repeat. Over and over and over. And Before you know it, years have passed by. And you still feel dirty. You still feel condemned. You still feel like you're no good. And I think there's a couple things. I just really want to help us unpack this really quickly. Because listen, I've been through this. And I'm going to share with you how the Lord has healed me and brought me through to understanding His grace in my life. What I did not know is that there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. And I didn't know this. I couldn't grasp this. Condemnation, folks, listen. If you feel condemned over something you've confessed, that's from the devil. Condemnation comes from the devil. Condemnation says this, your failure you're a loser. Look at what you've done. Your past, your sin, hide it. Don't let no one find out about this, because if they do, they won't like you, because I don't even know if God likes you. You see, condemnation is the voice of the devil. I did not know that. I thought condemnation was conviction, and it's not. How do I know the difference Because this voice of the devil begins to believe his lies that maybe you're not forgiven about that one sin. Like all the other stuff, okay, I get that, but not that area of your life or not that category of sins in your life. And that becomes a stronghold in your life. And then you have guilt, and guilt is a strong negative emotion. And you only feel what you believe. Let me help set some of you free. Guilt is not a consequence of your sin. Please receive that. Well, I just got to carry this guilt with me. Why? Well, it's just a consequence of my sin. I will carry this guilt to my grave. Why? Because I know better now. I shouldn't have said it. Shouldn't have tried it. Shouldn't have looked at it. Shouldn't have done it. Guilt is not a consequence to your sin. And people say, well, God's just going to make me feel guilty for the rest of my life because I did that. That's not how God works. That is from the devil. In fact, John 12, 47 says this, Jesus says, for I have come to save the world, not to judge the world or condemn the world. Jesus didn't come to condemn it. It's already condemned because of sin. Already. I've come to save it, Jesus says. You see, condemnation always points to the problem. It always points to the problem. And when you're condemned, you want to run and hide. Conviction points to the solution. Conviction points to the answer. Conviction makes you want to run to Jesus. So when you feel condemned, you want to go running high. That's what Adam and Eve did from the beginning. Folks, we've been doing this all day, every day. But conviction leads me to Jesus and wants me to run to Jesus. It's because of his kindness that leads me to repentance. you hear what David said? It's your unfailing love and your compassion is the reason why I've come to you. So how do you fix this? Right, you confess. Yes, you believe. Then you receive the forgiveness of God, but I still feel guilty. That is because you feel guilty after you confess because you're putting your faith and your feelings, not in Jesus. But I don't feel forgiven. But you are because Jesus says you are. Well, why do I still don't feel it? Because you believe in a lie. And folks, I was believing a lie for years and years and years and years and years from my past. And finally, I put no longer faith in my feelings because my feelings can lie to me because I only feel what I believe. If I don't like how I feel, change your belief. And the lie you believe is that God truly has not forgiven you of that sin or that category of sins and that's why you still feel dirty gross and guilty because you are blaming the law because the facts is you are forgiven and the reality is honestly I know <laughs> you're not perfect but you are forgiven and at the end of the day it's because I truly did not understand how God forgives and I'm going to share with you real quickly how God forgives It's not on the screen. This is how God forgives. God forgives you instantly. Do you know that? Instantly. God's like, well, I need to ponder and think about this and we're going to see how you're going to make this up to me and maybe we're going to let the consequences of your sin is to be a guilty conscience for the rest of your life so that you can get sick and depressed and like hurt yourself physically uh, because I just want you to carry the weight of your sin. God forgives you instantly instantly and they were like well that's not fair like I I think I should be punished like I should have to make it back up no my friend that's called grace Jesus took your punishment on the cross he forgives you instantly here's a big one he forgives you completely not partially well I'm gonna forgive you of all your sins but your sexual sins Nah, I'm not gonna forgive those I'm gonna forgive you obvious sins, but the addiction sins you got, nah, I'm not gonna forgive those. See, God forgives you completely. Not just instantly, completely. Like, completely. Here's a God forgives you repeatedly, over and over and over and over. See, here's what some people don't understand. When you confess and give your life to Jesus, watch this every sin that you've done in your past god says i can forgive you right now i'm forgiving you instantly completely right now forgive and i'm gonna be honest and i I know the good well-meaning christians and good well-meaning preachers i understand that but that's where that stops and I say, "Yes, God's forgiven your past, but now you've got to work and earn to keep your salvation and the sins you commit after you get saved, you better make sure you confess and stay squeaky clean, because if you don't stay squeaky clean, you will lose the salvation God's given to you, and God will remove His hand back from you, and you will die and you will go to hell. Folks, I promise you that's not in the Bible. I know they mean well, but they don't understand how God of the Bible forgives. He forgives you completely. Watch this. Not only of my past sins, but even the sins I will commit today. Cinco de Mayo day. Is that correct today, yes? We're having a Mexican fiesta after church today with all the staff. We will probably have to repent of all the tacos and burritos we will eat today. You're going to blow it today. Watch this. I'm going to blow it today. And the sin I commit today has already been forgiven now watch this I promise you probably all of you are going to blow it tomorrow when you go back to work on Monday because the weekend's over and that's back to Monday right and all the sins you have for the rest of your life have all been forgiven because every one of your sins on the cross were already future you weren't even born yet and he forgives you watch this of all your sins. And I know what you say. That's not fair. That's called grace. Unconditionally. See, God's love is not conditioned. If you, then I will. He says, I love you completely. I forgive you instantly. And watch this. If you'll confess your sins, I will forgive you repeatedly. Not to keep you saved, but to keep our fellowship with the Father. Over and over and over and over i forgive you and then here's a the big one he forgives us freely it's a free gift to you it cost him his own son but it's a free gift to you see i didn't understand how god forgives me and when i finally got that it changed me and then i put my faith in his word and said god i trust you even though I don't want to let go and I think I should deserve to be punished and I should beat myself up and I should carry this guilt, this shame and feel dirty. But you know what? If this is how you forgive and this is what your word says, then I'm going to trust you and receive your forgiveness and let go. And I did. And it radically changed my life. How do you know if you're believing the truth? But well, this is what David says. Now, watch this. It's 1 Samuel, I mean second Samuel chapter 11, adultery, murder. A year passed between chapter 11, chapter 12. Prophet Nathan, parable, woe is me. Psalms 51, he repents. We see it, we see his, how he wrote his letter and his journal. And then I want you to listen to what he says in Psalms 32. This is after it's all done. Oh, what joy! Adulterer! Murderer! And now he writes, oh, what joy? How did David get to this point from me going, my guilt is so heavy, I can't even bear it no more, to write this, oh, what joy! for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. I'm tired of carrying this guilt with me. Verse 2. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Oh, what joy. See, how do I know that I'm starting to believe truth? Is there's joy. Not guilt, joy. I said last week, you'll never forget your past. It will always be in your rearview mirror, but it does not have to control you today. Oh, what joy that that past has been forgiven. See, because where there is joy, there will be peace. And where there is peace, there will be Jesus. Peace is not an emotion, peace is a person, and his name is Jesus. And what you need more than anything in your life if you're carrying this guilt with you is to release it and guilt is condemnation from the devil and said I'm going to receive peace. I'm going to receive Jesus. I'm going to trust him and take him at his word that he forgives me completely, instantly, repeatedly, over and over and over and unconditionally. And I'm going to choose to believe that because what you believe will determine how you feel. Oh, what joy. How did he get to that point? Because now he accepts God's word is true. And I believe you've been forgiven. Because God tells him in Psalm 51, your sins are forgiven, David. There's consequences to our sin. We all have consequences to our sin. But your sin, David, is forgiven. Your sin is forgiven. Oh, what joy to know that and to believe that. And then he says in Psalms 32, verse 5, finally, I confessed all my sins to you. To who? Not to me, to God. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me, and all my guilt is gone. It's been a roller coaster ride for David. It's been a roller coaster ride for all of us. And that's why God puts things like this in the Bible to let you know, I love you. And no matter what you've said, no matter what you tried, no matter what you've done, I want to forgive you. Come to me. Confess this. Stop trying to hide it. Stop trying to bury it. Bring it to the surface. Take it to the Lord. And deal with it. And then believe the truth. And when you know the truth, the truth with what? You want to be set free of your guilt? You want to be set free of your shame? Believe the truth from the Word of God. I'm gonna ask if you would just to bow your heads just for a moment. Listen, I know with the crowd this size and watching online and in Grayson, come on. Some of you right now, you're carrying a huge weight of guilt and condemnation. Listen, stop hiding it. Bring it to the surface. Get before a holy loving, righteous God who loves you, who has a purpose for you, wants to use you, who forgives you completely and freely and repeatedly and instantly. And if you're a Christian and you're carrying this gift with you, listen, do you know right now you can deal with, with this before the Lord? Right now, deal with it. Whatever you need to say that you learned today that God, how He forgives you, deal with it. Right now, if you're not a Christian and what I mean is that you are not following Jesus like you've not given your life to Him that guilt and condemnation you carry with you will never be gone until you give your life to Jesus and so I'm going to ask you would you give your life to Jesus both of our campuses how do I do that pastor? cry out to Him you saw what David did just cry out to Him so I'm going to give you an opportunity, would you cry out to him, would you just say right now, Jesus, I'm sorry, and I'm here to confess my sin. I believe you came for me, come on, that's you, pray with me. I believe you died for me, and I believe you got up out of the grave for me. Thank you for giving me of my past sin, Forgiving me of the sin I'm going to do today, and forgive me of the sins I will do tomorrow thank you that you forgive me completely freely instantly and repeatedly over and over and over here is my guilt here is my shame i give it to you save me at both of our locations if you just pray that with me i want to pray for you let me know right now come on you've got nothing to hide nothing to be ashamed of pastor I just gave my life to Jesus That you raise your hand right now come on get it up come on both of our campuses we're going to trust that the Lord is speaking to you and I don't want you to leave here feeling beat up no you should leave here feeling encouraged that that's the God that we serve that loves you so, so much, that woke you up this morning, gave you breath this morning, brought you here this morning, so you can release whatever you're holding on to. Release it, let it go. Don't carry it no more. Don't let the devil lie to you anymore. You're forgiven. Let it go. Father, we thank you so much for your grace that we don't deserve, for your love that is so unconditional. Unconditional. We have believed the lie of the enemy way too long. For some of us, the guilt is too much to bear. But today we have heard your truth. Today we have listened to your truth. I pray today that we will receive your truth. That you love us, that you forgive us, and no longer do we have to carry this with us anymore. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would have your way in our hearts and our lives and we trust that you're gonna do great things through us. It's in your name we pray. Thanks for joining us online today. If we're watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. Let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps to stay connected throughout the week Download the Better Life app and consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast. Lastly, if you'd like to support what God is doing through this ministry, you can give online at now. We're praying you have a great week and hope to see you again soon.